This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Hue at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. I have a definite great read for you if you love music. It's called Moments in Time by Tom Locke. And let's just say that it is a very, very interesting read and you can listen to the music too as well. And let's leave it to Tom to tell us the rest of the story. Well, welcome to Hue at Home, Tom. It is so good to see you. And I was just saying, if you are a music lover, then you will love your book, Moments in Time. And it, it is an incredible, I think, tribute to music from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And you are a walking encyclopedia. Oh, my goodness. But you are a lover of music, right? <laughs> oh, I, I do love music. It, it's funny, though, over the years, the more and more you get involved in music and the stuff you love, the less you know and more humbled by what has been produced in the past that you uncover along the way, which is most exciting as well. Okay, so let's talk about your journey on even bringing together all this information. How did you prepare and, and how did you collect all of it? Well, it's, it's really interesting. We almost can take a step back, if we will, and we'll go back to the, the early 70s. I grew up in Toronto and my parents listened to pretty much middle-of-the-road station, CFRB, if that call letter means anything to you. It was a very prominent station in Canada at the time. Well, they would pipe in some syndicated shows, and one of them was by the master, I humbly refer to as the master, Paul Harvey, but a very different cadence on air, and it would be good day and tell the rest of the story. It had a special piece called The Rest of the Story. Now, how he framed that was fascinating. He would get on and give you some facts and clues about something that is sort of nebulous at the time. Go to a commercial, then come back, weave it all together, and tell you the rest of the story. So that stuck with me for years. And, and so with my love for music and, and going on being a collector for a number of years, I got, think about this. You're driving to work. You're driving to work, and a guy comes on and starts telling you some information, facts, tidbits about a song or an artist. You can't quite put it together. They go to commercial, gives you a chance, think through it. They come back, tell the rest of the story, and then play the record. A nice five-minute soundbite. I think, you know what? This is interesting. So that stuck with me for, for a number of years. So I produced my own five-piece demo. I did five stories similar to what you had here and actually took it to Nashville, believe it or not, in the mid-80s. Some of my top friends in Nashville because I come from the, the film side and they used to produce all the TV commercials for radio stations. So 
their clientele were radio personalities. The people that worked with them were also radio personalities. Well, they went, ah, that's nice, Tom, but no, nobody wants sound bites. We want, you know, Casey Kasem's, you know, hour, two hour, Dick Barkley's, you know, rock and roll uh, show like that. So it just went by. It's all about timing. You know, as you probably could gather <laughs> anything yes. else. So I thought, okay, that's fine. So now we fast forward. It's 1997. I'm now li living in Vancouver. And my good friend, Michael Godin, who was formerly the A&R guy for A&M Records, discovered Brian Adams and groups like that, uh, the Payolas. He said, Tom, I think the Internet's the new wave. He said, I'm going to go back because he was a former disc jockey in Montreal. And I'm going to produce an Internet radio show called Treasure Island Oldies. He said, Michael, that's fantastic so he sat down he mapped it out on his kitchen table to me 25 years ago may i add and he said you know i need some hooks some little cameo type uh, pieces i said well i got an idea and i laid out my moments in time idea based on you know the format that i love that paul harvey you know got me endeared to michael said good let's go with it so we started doing them we've been doing them since august of 2000 and so I've done over a thousand of these over the years. So a number of his listeners, they're worldwide, but a number of his real close in the chat room and all these wonderful things started bugging me. He said, Tom, you got to put some of these into a book. We think it would be great. So finally got around to it. And this is where I sort of pause a bit and say, thank you, COVID. I know that sounds a little unusual, but my travel time diminished uh, pretty much close at home in a bubble due to some family situations as well around us. And I went, hey, I can take this off the corner of my desk, put it in front, and let's go through it. Now, the challenge, which 120 tunes do I pick? Like this has 12 chapters, 10 tunes per chapter. I picked, that also would be impactful to the audience it's not about me it's about the listeners that's mm -hmm. it's a big thing about this book may i add this is not about me it's about the music we grew up with and the memories that were instilled by these you know musical interludes that we had during our, our our life so that's how it all evolved and came about and then i said well i want to get this out sooner than later so i took the uh, courageous step as peter drucker would say my own business guy Hey, you know, let's self, self, um, you know, uh, publish it, which I did. Well, and when you say that it is for the people, you have a QR barcode after each little chapter that brings back those memories, which is so clever because that well, just you. ties it all in. Well, hey, I mean, it, yeah, it, I mean, that was a given. Um, that was, well, that was it, genius. It is. And again, thanks to COVID, so. When you take a look at the target audience for this group, you know, which are, are a little are a little more senior, although there are two because their kids and their grandkids are getting into this to buy them the book, <laughs> strangely enough. The beauty of with, with COVID it helped us out. People started to understand what QR codes were because of their <laughs> vaccination cards. Yeah. They had to go to a restaurant. So this was some, again, some good fortune. You got to always look at the opportunities or the challenges, you know? I know. Oh, oh my God. I put my hand up to it going, what the heck? I have to put my phone? Okay, what do I do? No. Um, it is so wonderful. And there, like you say, there's something for everyone. 
I want to go back though to to uh, Paul Harvey. I think that was the name of the person that inspired you. What a way for a DJ. If you think about how radio was back then to what radio is now today, why? The biggest thing is the weather and where the traffic is. And that's yep. it. I don't think these, and correct me if I'm wrong, these DJs know really anything about any of the music. No. Uh, you know, just from what they can go on their phone and look on social media. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And as a sidebar reference to my book, some of the DJs who've now gone online, you know, uh, streaming and that with their shows or podcasts, some of them a little older, have come back and told me straight out that my book has become a reference book for them, which <laughs> I, I take quite quite uh, an honor. You yeah. Know? That was very, very very great to hear because I, I knew there was some value in it. Mm -hmm. But you know, you make a great point. When I was growing up in the late 50s, early 60s in, in, in Toronto, and that DJ was part of your brand. Like who you listen to on the radio, not the station, someone, the actual DJ, they were larger than life. And very, very strong. When artists came to town and they would go out with the artists and performing, they get asked, or their autographs as much as the artists would. They were true personalities. Mm -hmm. And they lived and loved what they did. Yeah, and I, and I really think that we're really missing that, that disconnect from radio and music. Because that's why we started off with radio, is, to, is for entertainment. Then it came for the information and, oh, we can, you know, we can do the sports or whatnot. But because the, we're constantly saying radio is dying, but this yeah. book is a Bible of how, how much we needed it. And it yeah. truly is a gift. Uh, let's talk, I, I guess there's so many stories in there, but what pops to mind? And I'm sure this is a question you get asked a gajillion times, but what are some of your favorites in the book? Wow, that's, that's really interesting question because they are so so many because mm -hmm. when I wrote these I, there was a kinship for me with a lot of the songs yeah. that I put in that I think if I put a twist on it would you know bring out some value to people but one of them that I, I just started harking back at, at how powerful timing was in, in the marketplace and what could happen there's there's one story in in there uh, about a, a lady uh, her name was Ruth Brown 1957, she comes on to uh, for Atlantic Records. Now, everybody who's into my type of music will know about the Drifters and all these wonderful groups. But she is the one that really got Atlantic Records going. She was known as Myth Miss Rhythm. However, when people talk about Atlantic Records, they refer to them as the house that Ruth built, which is sort of a play on words with Babe Ruth built you know yankee yeah. stadium they call that the house that ruth built but that's how impactful that she was you know in in, in the marketplace today so i had to tell you know one of her story in there so that's why ruth brown is in there but it wasn't just a one-hit wonder it was she was the real deal you know and the other thing is um some people in books if, if we had dictionaries Okay, <laughs> and we took the word, we could put a picture beside a piece. Well, 
I would have to take Joan Jett and hmm. put her beside the word tenacity. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell that story because, and we tell a new book about, you know, I love rock and roll, which is becoming an anthem. You know, it was like 1982 when she had it as a hit and on the charts for six, six straight weeks. However, it took her about a year and a half to get there. There was a group in England originally did it called the Arrows. And this, mm-hmm. the song was actually an answer song to a Rolling Stone record saying, you know, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. So the Arrows, no, no, no. It's, you know, I love rock and roll. So they wrote this piece. It was on a B-side of it. It went nowhere. Joan Jett at the time listened to it. She was with the Runaways, by the way, at that time, the group. And she goes, you know, I like this song. We want to do this song. Can we do it? And the group says, yeah, go nuts. Fill your boots. Well, never materialized. She came back home, put a new group together, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and they, they put it out. Well, the radio stations at that time, you know, we're talking, of, they get split up into different genres. So mm-hmm. her challenge was, yeah, it wasn't punk enough, so they wouldn't put it on a punk station. And the other guy goes, no, it's too heavy, it's too rock, we're not putting it on our station. So what she does, for touring, for about 12 straight months, that's the piece that she opens her show with, and she gets branded with that record, to a point that it comes out and it gets finally hits the airwaves. So kudos to her, you know? Mm-hmm. In her case... I say, I talk about timing. She made the timing. Wow. That's so neat. Uh, and if you kind of think of it now, too, uh, how do you get songs out? And I mean, there's actually some really cool stories on how these artists did get their songs to the radio stations, but a lot of it was just knocking on doors and here's my cassette tape or here's my little demo tape. You got it. And, or, and, People, so as the music started to happen in, in the mid-50s, there's a real emphasis with, with R&B coming on, and this new demographic called the teenager really started to evolve during that period. The teenager at that time actually was affluent, had some money to go up and, and, and purchase these records. So the record companies picked up right away. But also did some guys who set up independent little labels, and guys you talk about say, hey, We'll take this group from the street corner, mm-hmm. you know, in New York here, and we're going to put them together. And we'll get out. Maybe we'll get lucky and go door to door and try to get it to the right DJ who will play it for us because they could play anything they wanted. It wasn't top 40. It wasn't a demand list all the time. So that helped a bit. And you know what? A little bit of luck never hurt anybody. <laughs> in my research, you wouldn't believe the number of records I found that were regional hits. Let's say uh, big in New York, uh, big in Philadelphia. We never heard them in Toronto. We never heard them in Chicago. But there were huge, huge hits there. But they didn't have the ability or, or the money, the marketing to push forward. Not everybody had Colonel Tom Parker that Elvis had, you know, down the line. Not to take away from Elvis' talent, it's phenomenal. But as a team, these guys were phenomenal in getting Elvis's brand into the marketplace and, and getting his uh, records sold. So that was it's always been fascinating part of, of the business to me. And I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, it, it's so true. For you, I guess, Tom, I mean, it's a passion, but your personal journey and what did you gain putting this book out? 
for yourself? Uh, thanks for asking that. What I gained out of that is that when you look at the book, it's a legacy book in disguise, mm -hmm. in, in, in a sense, that this isn't what's in here should not you know, be forgotten, should not go away. So here's an inkling, one that's trying to preserve some of that great history all the time and talking about the cultural impacts you know that some of the songs not only had but what was going on when those songs came out so that to me was a was a great thing that i i got from it and you know the other biggest thing is when i wrote this book i'm a pretty upbeat guy probably to tell <laughs> but i got it i gotta tell you i was getting a little grumpy you know during COVID, and i think everybody else was so one of the drivers for me for this book was putting a smile back in people's faces. Oh. Music does that. Now, what you would listen to a song and what I would listen to a song will conjure up different memories. And that's why I love theater of the mind. That's why good radio, good radio will not go away. I think we're seeing good radio morphing into the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, area. And people are, you know, branding themselves with, with this look or, hey, I like this guy's sound. And yeah, I have time for this. And, Oh, different than radio and and i don't think it'll ever go away because the beauty of the difference field i come from the film entertainment industry when you're watching it you're looking in with audio and sound you're back you can do and other things big difference yeah wow very wise you're like the obi-wan kenobi of music and entertainment. <laughs> I want to know more and, and you know of course the movies and film and, and that is all a, a total other conversation to be had so don't go away. Sure. Uh, Tom we're gonna have you back. Uh, I want to talk about where radio is heading and what the 80s, 90s and 2000s would be. Who would be in that book and are there really like stories like that are as rich and as equal as in your moments of time. So don't go away. Tom will be All back. Right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Actually, we're going to visit the hive, see what's buzzing over there. And no, they don't make honey. They actually do rock climbing. So it's a fabulous facility, and it's a great way for kids to burn off some steam and also adults. You're watching Hugh at Home. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Corey, I'm the managing partner of The Hive in Winnipeg. So The Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses, we use mats for protection. And with that we set boulder problems on the wall where you're going to be climbing routes uh, that are different colours and 
encourage you to problem solve and kind of figure out how to move your body through space and gives you a bunch of different options to try of all abilities. It, it takes discipline, uh, self-discipline to, to, to take on some of these feats, you know, uh, just looking around at the different walls. Or it's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. I love it, like I'm still a beginner, but uh, it, like, I, if, I could, if I had the time to get out here more often, I'd be here every, every night. So climbing is great because it has a little bit of social, physical and mental aspects to it. So uh, that problem solving aspect is a big component, it's like a physical puzzle. Um, but it also creates like a bit of a social community where you're working with uh, the people nearby to figure out how to get through it. Uh, and it's great for your health uh, mentally and physically in that sense. Well, the four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience uh, by working in that social, mental and physical realm to, to work together in that activity that's a little bit beyond that traditional fitness. I, I'd say if you're looking for a good time, um, if you're looking to, to challenge yourself or if you're looking to just hang out and, and be around uh, friends and family, um, it's, it's a very warm place to be and, and it, it can be exciting. Welcome back to Hugh at Home. I have Tom Locke as our special guest. He is the author of Moments in Time. It is about music, but really it is the stories. And now, Moments in Time was about the 50s, 60s, and 70s and brought back a lot of good memories. Now we're going to go moving forward, and it still might be history or, or the future for a lot of people in this instance, but the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. But Tom, we want to sort of talk, I think, more about the evolution of music, especially rock and roll, because when we think of music, it was rock and roll. I guess if we think of music today, it's pop or mm. pop rap <laughs> or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, let me let me see if I can I, I can uh, do this in 
through a picture, okay? I want you to think of a, a lake, okay? And tributaries coming into the lake first up, okay? So this lake we're gonna call rock and roll, okay? So what came in during the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, all this different music? We had rhythm and blues, you know, certainly coming in. There was the boogie-woogie sound. There was the jazz. There was the big band sound coming in. We had country, which was back then known and, and not put down, called hillbilly music, believe it or not. That's coming in. And then down, and then we had, the, you know, stuff like swamp rock and, and, and music coming out of Louisiana coming in to mix us. They all came together, and, they, you know, they put this, you know, all, all together, and then we started spinning off of rockabilly, and then... You know, rock, rock and roll, as it was called. Today, so that was the birth of rock and roll. Today, I look at rock and roll as the grandfather. <laughs> we go back to the lake, take a look at all the spin-offs. You know, you got rap, you know, punk, hard rock, classic rock, all <laughs> spun out of, of the rock and roll era down the line. One thing remains the same, though. One thing remains the same. Good music pass the test of time. Mm -hmm. And the arrangements may change you know, to meet the, the demand or the taste of the audience at that time. But you, you have some music even today, you know, kids listen to the 80s, 90s, and stuff, and I'll find out, oh, no, wait a minute, that's a redone song from such and such or redone from there. No one different than the 50s and 60s thought it was all new. It wasn't. It was just rearranged in a lot of cases. There certainly was a lot of music that was created at the period of time, but influenced all the time. To give you an idea of uh, what I found fascinating, in, when rock and roll first came, it was pretty raw. Okay, mm -hmm. It was pretty raw format coming in, and people were out there. So now we come to the end of the 50s. Okay? Five interesting things happen. Elvis Presley gets drafted. Keep that in mind, okay? Little Richard says, "Hey, I'm I'm going back to gospel music, back to my roots. I'm out of here." Chuck Berry has a big statutory rape problem, and saying he's put in prison. Okay? Jerry Lee Lewis, who is at the pinnacle of them all, ends up marrying his 14-year-old cousin, and that didn't sit well. That happened when he was in England and just blew apart. And then sadly, on February 3rd, 1959, Buddy Holly, the big bopper, and Richie, Richie Valens died in a plane crash. And these iconic people were what was looked up to. We go into the early 60s, and also, I'm bringing, again, remember, this is my opinion, top 40s comes in where the establishment is going, oh, you're going to play this, 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 no reputation, so nobody can get in and, you know, flip a record. The DJs are told you're into this format deal. So they get into doing that. The music got very homogenized. We had Bobby V, Bobby Vinton, Bobby Curtola. It was like the Bobby era, as I <laughs> loosely would call it. Suddenly, the British invasion comes. Okay? The British invasion comes. And all of a sudden, we had the Beatles, Stones, the Kinks, you know, the Animals, all coming in. I, I named those four groups specifically because 
They redid them. They were influenced by them. Were the guys from rock and roll at the beginning? Was it Chuck Berry, the little Richards, and got even toured and played with them? This helped North America actually rediscover the roots of rock and roll was through that British invasion period. So now, let's move forward the 70s, you know, and the 80s, and we got factions coming up. We got disco, which is a spin-off of jive music, and only you know doubles the beat. We get into the 80s. 90s, 2000. Listen to the interviews to those people. And they're going to tell you about, oh, yeah, well, you know, the Beatles, you know, the animals. You know, they'll talk about what they heard, you know, growing up, how impressed, impressed they were with the groups. Springsteen will tell you we guys, that these are the guys that really motivated moving forward, you know, and they're like the rascals and all these groups, but they go back. Yeah. These, these groups that they grew up with. So when I start listening to music sometimes in the, in the, in the 80s and 90s, I listen, I go, that reminds me of this group. And it's it's amazing. There's a core of groups that I grew up with, like the Rascals I, I mentioned, and I can hear it, you know, <laughs> with some of the music, with some of the groups, you know, moving forward uh, now. And I, I find that very exciting. I think that's, that's great. Yeah. Now, there's been a whole new wave how to write, to put together, present songs in the marketplace. I think for women, it's been stronger than ever. I think it's terrific. When I heard Adele come out, I was taken back. I thought she was great. I said, ah, good, we have another, you know, woman. It's really, you know, got it going in depth. And I've seen a lot of, you know, great, great performance. Beyonce is, you know, remarkable. I mean, Jennifer Lopez, the multi-talent in all the areas that she is. And, and I'm not even scratching the, the surface. Well, yeah, and you are right, because I think in, in the next book, because I'm already hoping that you'll write it, it's going to be about women and and artists of color, I think, too, as well, because, you know, that really it wasn't an issue, but it is an issue now, and we all know that. And it's funny if I go back to, you know, artists, new artists or music of today all looking backwards in time and being influenced by the classics. Uh, Ed Sheeran was, was up again for another copyright lawsuit or whatever and he was the one saying, how do you, how do you not when 60, there's 65 million new songs released on Spotify every day or something around the world and there's only the same 12 chords that, or, or how many, there's a finite number of music chords that you have. <laughs> As a yeah. vocabulary, so uh, we are going to get spin-offs. Or all oh, that sounds like something. My question to you then, Tom: What is new music? Then what is really original music? And is, well, or is that the stuff that we kind of go? It's like abstract art. Going, oh, I love that. I get that. And like you're going and cringing, going, I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> creativity is always inspired by something. So here in the music, yeah, you're inspired by this. Like uh, I use an example in, in the book, we talk about it's a rock around the clock. And a lot of people argue it's one of the first rock and roll songs of all time. And it is. But if you ever listen to Moving On Over by Hank Williams Sr., you're going to hit the, you talk about the 12 chords, you're going to hear those that, that same rhythm in there going, wait a minute, they ripped that off. They probably didn't. You know, it just happened. George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be, he's so fine by the chiffons. He's going, what? I mean, I didn't even make the connection until I slowed it down and, 
listen to the tune. And so, oh God, you get subconscious plagiarism. I mean, what what's that? So <laughs> we do have that challenge. I've heard in, in some certain uh, rhythm and, and beats, uh, a lot of Santana's music. If you listen to Santana, mm-hmm. and you can you can match Santana, you know, with with with, with Anne and others too. But yeah, so there, the, the limit is the creative. And I've also seen heard stories where somebody's created something on the you know the West Coast. Guy created it in New York, <laughs> and you hear the song, you're going, "Holy mackerel!" You know, oh. how did that happen? So that doesn't surprise me. No. Uh, at all. Uh, so what's happening though that's caused some confusion? The guy says, "Oh, that sounds like mine. Uh, I'm I'm going to sue him unless you give me a credit to it." So now you're seeing songs, you know, a simple credit. I mean, we used to see in my day one, two, maybe maybe three guys. Now you're seeing a list of credits bigger than the label. <laughs> that's just so they don't get sued. Oh, I, we just have a, a couple of more minutes or so. Uh, the state of radio. And like you said, you see the future of radio moving into podcasts, and we've already seen this. And this show uh, is a podcast too as well. So it is those good conversations. But I'm kind of talking now commercial radio. Where do you see that going? Mm-hmm. Uh, in my heart, if I speak from my heart, I, I think there's always something for com- commercial radio. Uh, our challenge is, which I took advantage of, is the soundbite nature of, of things. Am I going to give up a half an hour of my time? You know, so mm-hmm. well, I can listen to it on, on radio. One for So that is a challenge. It's like, you know, your boss jock coming on for, you know, two, three, four hours. Well, that, that maybe works in XM radio if you're listening to a certain, you know, network and, and that's what you want because you want commercial free going forward. There's one of the rubs. It's the commercial aspects of it for sure. So, boy, I, I think it's a real tough piece um, and, and moving forward. So is it a, a case where we entertain people by creating five-minute segment features, say like my moment on the show, so people will turn in for, for that piece, so hey, I got them at that time, and I can put bumpers around it for commercials if that's an angle. I mean, these are some of the things that really have to be, be, be thought through. Uh, I also believe that maybe we can go back to something in the early days of television the early days of television uh and they used to you know call it soaps all the time you know we're watching a soap on tv that's because they were sponsored by soap you know <laughs> you know companies right you know so is it going to happen you know that procter and gamble sponsors you know your broadcasting you know could could that be the future could that be the revenue stream where you're you're, you're matching a, a, a title with it with an internet product this mm-hmm. podcast show is brought to you by mm-hmm. in order to, to be in the marketplace so i don't think that's so far-fetched but that may be uh, uh, a way we can we can go for the future but i i do believe that uh, you know long people on for an hour two hour i think they've got to be really nailed to their audience it really gotta be, it's not just mm-hmm. a general it's going to be a Probably very um, niche. Yes. Niche broadcasting uh, moving forward, and and which you know in, in disguise format. If you look at XM, you know radio, they have right. done that by breaking. Yeah, stuff everything down. down. Yes, yeah. no doubt. Oh well, it's uh, 
it's such a, a, a big question and I know that there's just so much out there now with this thing called the internet and everything like that and social media but uh, anyways this little book is such a gem I want to thank you Tom for sharing your time with us and yeah. giving insight into what was behind this book and I really encourage people to, to yeah. buy it like you said it's a great little book to give to your grandkids or, or whatever and say, hey, this is the music we used to listen to. And we well, can I'll do it I'll you with a little, little story. Okay. And that to my, my brother. And he said, you know, this is the perfect bathroom book. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> See, all the stories are only two pages, okay? Again, because of our, you know, attention span. He says, good. He says, I go in, I read the two pages, I click on the QR code, and I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. On that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Tom. All the best and good luck with the book. Thank you so much, Tracy. Have a good and all the best to you and your show. So the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. But the four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. want to give a very special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What would be your favorite song and why? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. And as well, I am giving away this book, Moments in Time. So you can email us at hello at ilikehugh or message us on Facebook and Instagram at I Like You. And just let's say that you'd be interested in this book, so leave your name and contact information. Good luck, and as always, stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hue at Home. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Hi.
Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.